0: you a member of the turtle club
1: well not exactly not exactly but am i not turtly enough for the turtle club
0: hi there and welcome to baseball by design i am paul caputo sportslogos.net minor league baseball correspondent broadcasting live as always from the helmet sunday hall of fame in my basement in fort collins colorado Today's episode is unique for me because this is the first time that I have talked about a defunct team name, a defunct brand, but it's been a fan favorite for a long time. It was around for a quarter century, and I'm very happy right now to be joined by the creator of the logo for the Beloit Snappers. Chris Kretz, how are you doing?
2: Doing great, man. Thanks for for including me. Absolutely. Well,
0: this is a logo that I've liked for a long time. You know, you'll you'll hear over the course of this podcast, you know, I'll, I'll talk to Bobby Kuhn, who was the the media guy for the Snappers when I got to go to my first Snappers game. I mean, th- this this team has has had a special place in my heart for a while and 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 I really enjoy this logo that you created for them. Most people who follow minor league baseball know now that the the Snappers logo was replaced in a very long and drawn out process. Uh, Longer than usual, I think, because of COVID and because of the way, yeah, and then the way Major League Baseball took over minor league baseball. There there were a lot of factors that led to this being a sort of long drawn out process, but it, it was replaced. They're now the Beloit Skycarp. We're not talking about the Skycarp today. We are talking about the Beloit Snappers. So first of all, Chris, this, you know, this logo that you created, it was created in a time before focus groups, before huge firms that were creating minor league baseball oh. logos. Can you tell me about how you got involved in creating the Snappers <laughs> logo and sort of what that process was like?
2: Uh, at the time, my cousin was the general manager of the Beloit Brewers. And uh, I mean back then everyone just kind of took the the parent name of the, the uh, major league affiliate. So um, but this was early, mid nineties and teams just started to think we can have our own identity and make money off of souvenirs, things like that. So um, my cousin decided to pitch to the, the team and, and everyone involved. We need a name change. And he was basically the focus group and and a couple other people. And he, he, so he called me knowing, you know, I'm I'm an artist. I was living in Milwaukee at the time. And he said, if I come up with some ideas, can you at least sketch some ideas out, send them to me. So I have something to show. So there was like bloit blues, bloit blaze and some different things. And then finally one day he called me up he goes, I got it, snappers. Like snappers, he said. Yeah, snapping turtles. We have, you know, these historic turtle mounds and uh, turtle creek, and you know, on and on and on. I'm like, that's brilliant. So there was uh, no,
0: there was no highly publicized name the team contest with fifteen (laughs) thousand entries, and and brought out for eighteen months.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) right. Exactly. And we, you know, we 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 drew the top ten, and now the fans are going to vote on those, and then we're going to vote on three more. It was no. Your cousin came up with some name ideas, and then one day inspiration hit him, and he said, "Here's what it's going to be."
2: he said, we, we got to go that he pitched it to the board and, and uh, they were a little tentative. And, uh, but uh, like, like many people, they have to see something also with the name, you know? And uh, so he, he said, come up with a sketch. So uh, knowing he was a, uh, a catcher in high school and college, um, the first sketch was uh, uh, snappy was a catcher. You know, I was just kind of thinking about the hard shell chest and, and, you know, and, uh, that's why the cap is on backwards and he was, you know, just standing on a home plate, holding a ball. And, uh, I'm like, you know, the catcher never gets any love. It's always, you know, someone throwing or swinging a bat. you know, but they, I mean it's the catcher doesn't get any love. So let's give the catcher some love. And, uh, and they, they saw it and they, they liked it and they said, let's, you know, do some more designs. And they had, uh, a couple other local artists working on it. And, uh, so it, and like two or three of us, they just said, we'll, we'll pick the best one. And, and that's who we'll pay so you you mentioned you said that's who
0: will pay in the article that i wrote about this team in 2014 bobby mistakenly said oh they didn't even pay the designer who created this and he didn't he didn't know who you were right like in that article and so you thankfully you found that article and you said hey i'm the designer and and they actually did pay me you said not much but
2: they did pay me (laughs) each artist 150 dollars just to work on it come up with ideas and then um, then, yeah, I think uh, I was paid uh, $500 after that. So a total of $650 dollars. And some merch, I hope? Oh yeah, yeah, I got a free dozen caps. Okay. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. All right. And, uh, after that, I got a lot of merch, and then uh, I got paid nice during the uh, redesign in '97, so
0: okay. That, uh, that, by the way, $650 over the 25 years that that logo was in uh, existence averages out to, it's cost the team $26 per year to have this logo that you created. <laughs> you talked to, you you mentioned the, the redesign. There were some tweaks to the logo. You What year was that, did
2: you say? Uh, 97.
0: Okay. So what, what were the tweaks to the logo in 97?
2: Uh, they loved Snappy. They basically wanted to redo the the lettering and, uh, and the primary logo itself. And um, I... And back then, I was still doing everything by hand, you know, pen and ink. Um, I did the original Snappy logo um, and pen and ink with color separations on various sheets using ruby lith. Wow. Dating myself right there.
0: You are you are speaking a language that I think you know a, a select a, a small percentage of listeners <laughs> to this podcast are gonna are gonna understand. I mean, I
2: I just narrow casted myself with that one.
0: <laughs> I mean, just even just talking about separations is something, right? <laughs> so, do, do you still have the original plates from those separations? Like, do you still have any
2: of the the original? Uh, uh... I do not, uh, because I I did them and I sent them into uh, to Beloit. And they sent them into uh, licensing and they actually created the the vector computerized vector logo from that you know scanning and tracing and stuff but i i never saw them back i was going to ask
0: you who created the actual vector files for it so did it when they created the vector files when they created the the computerized artwork did it change at all was there anything you noticed where you're like hey
2: that nothing and uh it it was great i I was kind of worried that something would be smoothed over or missed or but no that it, it was it was perfect all
0: right so are there are there any like easter eggs are there any hidden little details in the logo that uh,
2: that folks should know about uh yes uh, at the time we just went through a baseball strike i believe and or we're going through the strike of 93 94
0: yeah Yeah, 94 was the year we we missed the World Series. And the the Montreal Expos uh, World Series year was circumvented in
2: 1994. Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, so baseball's in a little bit of a turmoil. And uh, Pete Rose gambling was just blowing up still. And uh, so I was always a Pete Rose fan. Um, You know, maybe not personally. I don't know him personally. But, I mean, just being a fan of baseball, how do you have one of the best hitters ever not in the hall so then i went back to um uh, shoeless joe also one of the best players ever not in the hall and and both for gambling and the hypocrisy of all the money and drugs and things like that i'm like these two guys didn't do anything
0: there's a book called the baseball in the garden of eden think i have that right i hope i have that right baseball in the garden of eden that basically details how like this whole you know the whole i mean most baseball fans know the abner double day story is complete you know fabrication that's just entirely apocryphal but that one of the reasons baseball is so like super hyper scared of of gambling is because it was essentially founded by people who wanted something to gamble on right like (laughs) the, the reason baseball exists is gambling and that and so it's it's so funny that you know like Shoeless Joe and Pete Rose. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge believer that the the Hall of Fame is a museum. It should tell the story.
1: Put yes. them in the Hall
0: of Fame. Tell the story. They gambled Sorry. on baseball. They got banned from baseball. Uh, you know, make it part of their Hall of Fame story. Anyway, that I got derailed. I'm, I'm very curious to hear yep. about how Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe factor into Snappy the Turtle.
2: So uh, he's not wearing shoes. <laughs> that's an homage to, that's not just because he's a turtle. Uh, that's an homage to Shoeless they, they, Joe they wanted to see a a sketch with shoes on. I said, no, he's going to, he's not wearing shoes.
0: This is amazing. I have loved this logo for so long and I'm just learning now that he doesn't have shoes because it's your homage to shoeless Joe.
2: And, uh, and his batting stance is Pete Rose's, you know, the crouch down, um, even though it should be flipped, you know, Pete Rose's left-handed stance was real crouched in, but, uh, um, made him a righty. Um, but yeah, so it's Pete Rose's stance and, uh, no shoes for Shoeless Joe. I love that so much. I have to, say, like, honestly, like, I love that
0: so much. I can't believe that it's taken me until having this face-to-face conversation with you. I mean, because you and I have talked, to, or we've communicated a bunch over, you know, Twitter message and email and whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, to actually, like, sit down and talk to you, you know, face-to-face, such as it is on on Zoom, and learn that detail, I'm just, I'm blown away right now. So I, I, I love it. The other thing that I was going to ask you about was was Snappy's, his facial expression, the, the, the grimace. Which Grimace. you know uh, looks a lot like you know grimaces you see in in logos now you know I mean you see that sort of like you know the corner of the mouth is open but the front of the mouth yeah. is closed so so it, that facial expression is that is that just a, a an invention from your mind?
2: It, yeah it' well um, the, the only thing I really researched was snapping turtles you know I didn't you know you, you couldn't Google logos at the time um, so I just, uh, you, know, you know, had books, was looking up, you know, snapping turtles, just trying to find certain traits. And the, and the main thing was just, you know, the, the pointy snout. And, uh, you know, when I think of a, a turtle, I was, you know, their, their head comes out, you know, stretches out. So I, I kind of wanted the head big and make it look like that. And uh, then the grimace just kind of came through through sketches. That, yeah, I, I worked a lot on the grimace and even more on the eyebrows
0: the eyebrows okay i like the eye i like the, the sort of looking at the big eyes and the, the i'm looking at the logo obviously right now you can tell yep. by my hand gestures here that i'm looking at the logo right now <laughs> so yeah i love, love the eyebrows you say you researched uh, snapping turtles what did you learn about snapping turtles
2: oh they're um but everything i knew already just growing up in northern wisconsin they're just they're just mean don't go by don't go near them <laughs> <laughs> all right but, <laughs> just mainly just trying to get uh you know certain uh you know like the uh, the, the claw feet and, uh, and the pointy nose was mainly what I was going for. So. Sure. You referenced, you know, when your cousin came up with the team name,
0: you referenced that there was a certain amount of like history in the area with like the turtle mounds. And, you know, did you, did you research any of like the, the importance of turtles to Beloit specifically?
2: Uh, I did not. Um, he did, which is, um, why he kind of, uh, came up with snappers, um, and a couple of the other names too, just, to he really got into the history of the area and uh but and once he you know if if the nickname were turtles it probably wouldn't have been as great but i mean as soon as he thought of snappers it's uh it's just boom you know right so he, he couldn't turn away
0: <laughs> no it's it's definitely it's definitely a good name so obviously i mean the only constant in minor league baseball branding is change right and so yes. you know it was I don't know, I guess with, with most minor league baseball logos, it's sort of a matter of time when a team decides to change a name or change a logo. That being said, this logo lasted for 25 years, which in, especially in a, in a smaller town and a, you know, sort of community baseball team that played in a stadium that was, you know, not this, this glorified baseball experience by any stretch, right. This logo lasted for 25 years, which is incredible staying power for, for a logo uh, especially one that was created in sort of the process that you described of just sort of like came up with a name did a sketch you know and then like you know put paper to pencil and and came up with it uh rather than you know everything we go now like we're talking about the focus groups and the variations and the the 15 different versions that you know that yeah. you know all these various you know permutations of the logo so i understand you have a personal connection to this and you're the artist so i'm probably asking a loaded question here but what do you attribute the staying power of this logo to?
2: Just the uh, originality of, of it as a whole, the logo and and name is just, you know, it's not snapping turtles. It's just, you know, snappers and, you know, kind of like, a, uh, what's another good, like Lansing Lugnuts when they came out. That was just, what? Lugnuts. <laughs> and so it was just, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's just uh, everyone I know still says it's one of their you know favorite hats, favorite logos. They they just love it. And uh it just I don't know, got lucky, I guess. He's
0: speaking of getting lucky, oh gosh, I'm well, that's probably poorly phrased, right? Phrasing, right? But speaking of getting lucky with the color palette here, they ended up being an, an Oakland A's affiliate, uh after you know they were a brewer's affiliate obviously for for many years. Yeah. But then they ended up being an A's affiliate and they were green. They were already green. So it's like, hey, we we've done that work. So that was sort of a stroke of luck.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was too, and uh just and when at the time they were, you know, the Brewers affiliate, so they were at that time the Brewers colors with the addition of the lime green. Brewers had that MB weird like Motor Bame. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they had that MB. That sort of short lived MB logo. Uh,
0: yeah, the Brewers did.
2: This the uh, the forest and navy and, and and gold. So we just added the lime green and uh, and and it worked great. So well, so then- I'm sorry. Good. Uh, but then they went to the Twins and didn't work. But yeah, I mean, when, once they uh, went under the A's, yeah, like you said, the green, green it did just work. So uh,
0: speaking of the colors, though, you know, when you, when you count the colors up, you've got the the dark blue, yep. the yellow, and then two different greens, and so you've you've reached you've reached the maximum there. Those are the four colors. I mean, they tell you not to go more than four colors in a in a logo with uh, embroidery and whatnot. Yeah. So I can assume. Then that that's why the bat that he's holding is yellow. Yes. And so I've always, I've always enjoyed that because in a way, right? Like, like a a snapping turtle, they're not big, right? They're, they're little guys. And so this idea that he's holding a bat that looks like in some ways, it could be like a plastic wiffle bat, right? Like one of those yellow (laughs) wiffle bats. Yeah, a little that. They're little guys, right? So maybe that's all he can hold is a, is a little wiffle bat or one of these oh there you go like the little mini souvenir bats exactly so yeah but it was um i know that that was sort of a limitation uh you know you there, you couldn't add another color right like if especially oh. in 1995 you know four yeah, colors exactly. was it
2: Or was pushing it and back then
0: the answers that you had for you know are there any easter eggs here i'll just you know maybe i can lightning will strike twice here is there anything else about the logo that i'm not asking you that you think fans of a a logo based podcast might be uh, curious to know about the, the snapper story.
2: Um, his hat is on backwards. As in, um, Two things. Number one, it helps him look like a turtle with a round head, but mainly it was because the original sketch was to pay homage to catchers because catchers never get any love in logos. And in uh, my cousin at the time, uh, my, my cousin who at the time was a general manager uh, was a, a catcher in, in, uh, in college baseball. So I just, that was kind of like my tribute to him also. And, uh, and the funny thing is, if you remember the time, early nineties, I was you know, 24, 25 when I did this and Griffey Jr. would wear his hat backwards uh, in warmups and stuff. And people were just aghast. You know, how, how, what, what are you doing? You know, that's not baseball. Kids these days. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people on the board at the time were worried that it would send the wrong signal with his hat being on backwards and things like that and like no it's got to stay on backwards that's why he's yep. got the, the the b and then it turned into the s for for snappers but that's why uh always has a logo on the back of his uh hat.
0: so the i was i was going to ask you well so first of all i'm glad that you said that about griffey because griffey is the first thought that i had I, I would i would you know pete rose and shoeless joe are i, I love those connections so uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you mentioned Griffey because I was going to ask whether that was a, a specific homage to him here. But the, the catcher thing makes a lot of sense too. The the B, you know, the B switched from B for Brewers, I assume, to S for Snappers. Uh, did you consider? Did the team consider just leaving the B for
2: Beloit? Um, once uh once they changed it because well orig- originally we um, when we're working on the logo we had Snappy but we didn't have a font. We didn't have lettering. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, just kind of faxing ideas. <laughs> and uh, then licensing said, you got to get us something now. I mean, w- we need to move forward. If you want this, you know, the, the timeline was because they wanted to unveil it in, uh, at, at the end of the season. So uh, my, my cousin, Steve, just kind of <laughs> cut the lettering out of a fax and pasted it over the top and sent it in so just go with this for now basically and that's so that's how the, uh, why the uh, original logo part of the turtle is covered and uh, they said fine so that that's that was the logo for the first few years until they finally said yeah, yeah we got to redesign this okay. we don't like it. It, the hobo font and I, I think it's it is hobo yeah. which is
0: a you know type nerd moment here the hobo font does not have descenders. So like the P's and the Q's, and I mean, this one's all caps, so it doesn't matter, but like yeah. like the lowercase hobo font, which has been around for like, like 70, 75 years, I think, um, yeah. does not have descenders. Nothing goes below the baseline with hobo, which so it just makes it a very sort of strange font. Like I said, this one's all caps, so that doesn't matter. So that was like my like Jeopardy font moment. I was going to say one other thing, because I I always have these like weird logo associations. This is why people can't have normal conversations with me. But the you mentioned catchers in logos, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum unveiled their when they did their 100th anniversary logo, the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues, and they unveiled a logo. The figure in that logo is based off of Biz Mackey, who was a catcher in the Negro Leagues. So that's your snappy is in great company here with with biz Mackey, the the catcher from the negro leagues
2: (laughs) love to get there too that's kansas city right
0: kansas city and it's an amazing facility i've been three times and every time i go they've changed up the exhibits and and i've been very lucky to to meet uh bob kendrick who is the president a couple of times i've gotten to interview him for stories and uh kiana sinks of course who is their digital marketing manager she's just a superstar so they're yeah they're they're a great facility and they're telling an amazing story. So definitely you should get there. Absolutely. Everybody, everyone listening to this podcast should get there. Not, not, not just Chris. So uh, where can uh, people find you
2: on, on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let's see. Uh, I do have a a separate Facebook page, just showing some of my design work. Uh, I have not updated it in years. Uh, To be honest, I, I don't do much design work anymore. It just uh, uh, we uh bought a, an old house a few years back, and I I kind of got into the whole woodworking, redoing, uh, 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 refinishing old things, and and fixing up a house kind of stuff, and uh, that's kind of like a, my new creative jam. So,
0: well, for the 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 listener out on a run or in the car or at home wherever <laughs> you are, the picture I would like to paint for you here is that Chris is sitting in in what we called in the pre-interview Chris was calling it the bar and is surrounded by snappers paraphernalia and illustrations of other logos that he's created over the years as a a freelance graphic designer so it's a pretty sweet looking setup there with all your snappers gear so I'm kind of kind of jealous of that so so anyhow so Chris thank you so much I really appreciate you taking some time out of your morning and talking about the snappers it snappy the turtle will live forever and uh, i know oh, there's yeah. a lot of people out there who love the logo that you created and and it lasted for for 25 years as the face of a minor league baseball team that's pretty impressive yeah, the crazy lasting
2: power and uh I'm, i still i still wear the hats so awesome well thank you chris and uh, we'll see you online thank you appreciate it paul
0: all right everyone welcome back i'm very pleased right now to be joined by my friend bobby coon who was the director of media relations for the Beloit snappers back in the day when at least in 2014 Bobby what were the years you were actually there
3: I was there from 2013 to 2017
0: okay so 13 to 17 you went on and you worked with the Delmarva shorebirds after that Mm -hmm. and uh, you're not You're not exactly in minor league baseball right now, except for you do a terrific podcast called Pulling Tarp. By the time this drops, this episode, you may have already hit your 100th episode of Pulling Tarp. So so from, from, from past us, congratulations to you on 100 episodes of Pulling Tarp.
3: Oh wow! Thank you, Paul. Obviously, you're the first one to congratulate me, so it means a lot.
0: (laughs) Well, I've had the honor of uh, of being a guest on there twice, and you know we've we've had fun with that. But I want to ask you, uh, you know, first of all, before we get into to to our history with the Snappers, I wanted to, to just ask you, what, in your opinion, you know, as the as the director of media relations for five seasons there, what was your take on what turtles meant to in snapping turtles in particular meant to the community of beloit
3: well they meant a lot um everywhere you know i had to be snappy quite a bit obviously um so everywhere we went with snappy he got so much attention he he was the most well-known person um, in rock county in wisconsin Um, And then there's just a lot of history uh, with the city of Beloit and turtles and snapping turtles. Uh, There's a town right next to Beloit, a very small town called the town of Turtle. Uh, There is a turtle shaped mound on Beloit College's campus. And from, I think, the early 1900s to like the 1970s, I believe, there was a secret turtle society at Beloit College, and and like every member had a turtle like lapel pin. Um, to be discreet about that, I don't know why it was a secret, but um, and then of course the city of Beloit's right on the Rock River, where there is a bountiful amount of snapping turtles.
0: This secret society thing, you know. When I first started researching the article that I wrote for sportslogos.net about this team, first of all, you were the person I reached out to and you supplied a lot of that that history. And I was, you know, I thought it was going to be, oh yeah, there's a bunch of snapping turtles in the Rock River. We thought it would make a cool logo. But this yeah. connection that the town had to, you know, the secret society, I remember at the time looking on Facebook and seeing that like people would post pictures of turtles and just say Beloit. Right. Like, I mean, it was like people from Beloit absolutely associate the town with turtles. And it was, you know, it was a really interesting thing to to see and to learn. And and like you say, the turtle mounds that existed there that were part of, you know, the Native American culture that existed in Wisconsin long before uh, Westerners arrived. You know, it was, you know, obviously this connection to turtles runs really deep and not just in the river. Now, you said that you got to to play snappy a couple of times. One of my my favorite things about your podcast, Pulling Tarp, is when you ask, you know, folks who work for minor league baseball about, you know, their other duties as assigned. Obviously, actually pulling tarp for rain delays is one of the big things, but you know, you always ask these people who have these sort of lofty sounding positions who end up having to do some not so lofty things. So, yeah actually getting to personify snappy, the turtle, uh, out there in the community. What, uh, what kind of reactions did you get from folks?
3: I took a lot of pictures with people. Um, and, and I do really believe that, um, being a mascot kind of helped prepare me for the pandemic and I'll explain why. All right. Uh, so I always felt really stupid when, I would pose for pictures in the snappy costume and I inside was smiling like, oh. <laughs> and, and I was like, wait, I don't have to do that. And <laughs> so, so when I took pictures, you know, with masks on and stuff like that for, for my job now, I, I was like, oh, this is just like being in a mascot costume. I don't have to smile if I don't want to.
0: That's you know? really funny. That's actually awesome. I really love that. Uh, um, that's a great point
3: yeah but yeah just the kid every person knew who snappy was like it wasn't it wasn't like oh you know what mascot is that it's everybody knew who who snappy was and everybody had to get a picture everybody had to get a hug or a high five um it was it was crazy he was he was extremely popular
0: well you know it, i I, I have been to two games in Beloit, both in the old stadium, both in Pullman field, obviously when they were the snappers, uh, you know, haven't seen the, the sky carp in person yet, or I guess nobody has, cause they haven't started the season yet. But uh, you know, I, I saw that when I was at the game, snappy was wandering around the the stadium and people were taking pictures. I have a picture with snappy, uh, you know, myself. And so, uh, you know, obviously he was a beloved mascot and I understand from you know, what Quinn Studer was saying when I wrote about the, the Skycarb for logos.net that Snappy's still going to be there. He's going to be sort of part of the game experience in some way. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see what that actually looks like. So you mentioned the town of turtle. And I remember when we spoke in 2014 for the article, you told me you got a speeding ticket in turtle.
3: I sure did. I was actually looking back through that article, kind of just refreshing <laughs> myself with it. I was like, yeah, I sh- I sure did get a speeding ticket there. I was um, coming back from Madison. So before I was director of media relations and marketing, I, the first year I was director of food and beverage. I don't know why I wasn't qualified at all. Um, but I was coming back from Madison from taking my, my food licensing exam for the state of Wisconsin. Um, and I was super pumped that I had passed because like I studied my butt off for it yeah. and I'm I'm coming back to Beloit getting ready to tell the rest of the staff and I'm cruising bumping my music and all of a sudden woo, woo, woo. yeah yeah they get It's Matt Olsen and Renato Nuñez also got a speeding ticket right where I did too. Is um, that right?
0: It's a speed trap yeah. for Snappers uh players and employees I guess, right? <laughs>
3: yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I guess the, that probably didn't hit their wallets as hard, though, you know, as a uh, minor league baseball front office personnel person.
3: Right. Matt Olsen had a couple mil in the bank at that point as a yeah. first round draft pick. But
0: yeah, well, so speaking of the team, you know, you and I, we we go way back now. I can't believe it's almost a decade now to think about this. Uh, I know. Right. It was 2014. I had just started writing for sportslogos.net and I reached out to you and I said, I'm going to be in Rockford, Illinois for work. It's what, like a half hour, maybe to drive up to Beloit from there. I said, can I, you know, can I bother you? It's going to be opening day, 2014. Can I bother you for press credentials? This was after your year in food services, this was your first game as the director of media relations. Mm -hmm. And you just said, yeah, sure. And so so I was like, this is cool. So, you know, the, the first thing that I want to sort of relay about that is the, the, the ballpark experience. Now I'm trying to keep in mind here that it was, it was freezing cold. I mean, it was freezing. So when I first, you know, when I first arranged this, I was just like opening day, minor league baseball, it's going to be hot dogs and American flags and, you know, bands marching around. And it was what 150 people, maybe like, like huddled in bank (laughs) in blankets. So it was a pretty sparse crowd. It was freezing cold. And when I drove up, I was, I did not have the experience in league baseball then that I do now in terms of ballparks I've seen, but, but I was surprised to see that this was essentially Pullman field was barely more than like a city park, basically. Right. And so the origin of this logo, I feel like the origin story of this logo kind of corresponds with this style of park, right? It was not a huge design firm. You know, it wasn't a high paid graphic designer. It was, you know, Chris, you know, we, I just spoke with Chris, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: you know, uh, essentially a freelance graphic designer who knew somebody who had a high profile position with the team. So in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like this logo, this snappy logo that lasted for a quarter century was kind of appropriate to the ballpark experience that you had there.
3: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Pullman field was not the most desirable place to go as far as like a visiting team standpoint came. Um, But it is what I called home for, for four years. Um, So, so yeah, it's, we didn't set any attendance records, you know, Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I I think I told you this when we did the article, you know, um, seven years ago, that, boy, the snappers, it, they never had a lot of money, right? right. Like they're they're not for profit organization, and the fact that it was a general manager's cousin that designed the logo. I I guess he did get paid. When I when I read the article, I was always told that he did not get paid. He right. just did it for um some merchandise. Right. But it it really does sell the fact that it was a community organization, right? It ta- it takes everybody. I mean, yeah. even when I was there, we didn't have a concessions team, you know, we we had Volunteer teams to work the concession stands every game, right? Um, just because we didn't have the money, and yeah, I mean, I, I really do think it was just a small community team, and and everybody just had to come together to make it work.
0: Well, okay, so you you've dovetailed right into the story I was going to tell, and I think everyone who has listened to your podcast and maybe listened to this story on uh, some other podcasts i you know if if we're gonna say it takes if 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 it takes a community it takes everyone to make the ballpark go i do have to share the story of the time that i got to sing take me out to the ball game on opening day in 2014 at a beloit snappers game yeah and uh like i said i you know this is this has become sort of part of the the lore almost of the minor league baseball twitter community that we have out there but (laughs) uh, um So normally, if I have press credentials, right, like I'll hang out in the press box for an inning, maybe an inning or two, you know, talk with the media folks, talk with the other writers, whatever. And then I'll go out and I'll experience the game out there in the stands, usually with a helmet Sunday. On this occasion, it was so cold that I just I went out there for like a half inning and I was just like, to heck with this. (laughs) And so I come back and watch the rest of the game. And in a lot of ways, that's how, you know, you and I sort of got to know each other. Right. Like we actually spent the rest of the game just sort of hanging out there talking. I yeah. was laughing because, and you'll have to refresh my memory on this, the The auto glass uh, yeah. sponsor that when the the foul ball went over the, the field, went over the stands, which it always did because the stands were small. You were supposed to play a sound over the PA for a sponsor who I know you remember.
3: It's That's another Drevdahl auto body foul <laughs> ball.
0: <laughs> and then there would be a, cla- a crashing glass sound.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: I remember you turning to me and saying, I'm just playing that once an inning. I'm not playing that every time there's a foul ball. And I thought that was hilarious, right? Like I thought that was really funny. So, and again, this is your first game in this role as the director of media relations. So then of course we get to roughly like mid sixth inning, maybe the bottom of the sixth inning. And it occurs to you that the audio file for take me out to the ball game that you usually play over the PA is on the ticket sales computer, not on the media relations computer. and So you rate and I might I'm gonna let you take it from here if you don't mind.
3: Yeah, we um we're trying to f- save money somehow, I'm sure, and use the ticket computer and the in the um uh, PA announcing computer, you know, for the same purpose. I don't know why, but I I had just got done moving like all these files and um some of them didn't make it, obviously. Um and and uh I'm I put together, you know, my playlist or whatever for the game, and I'm going through the script and looking to make sure I have everything in place. And I'm like, Oh crap, it's not take me out to the ball game. And I think the, the Wi-Fi and the press box was, was spotty at best. And, um, I, I messaged, I radioed down to my buddy bill who I still talk to almost every day because we work for the same insurance company and um, I, I, said, I said, hey, man, uh, take me out to the ball games, not in the computer, like, like the sound file is not in here. And he said, well, you're just going to have to sing it. And my wife will be the first to tell you that I'm tone deaf. Uh, so I and I know that I'm I'm self-aware of that. And <laughs> so um, I was like, yeah, there's no shot. I'm, I'm singing that. Yeah. And you overheard this banter between Bill and I and you said well i'll I'll sing it and i said really and we had known each other for i guess six innings at that point right right um and and you said you said yeah of course and so i gave you the mic and uh you know you took it away from there and you you killed it you really bailed me out there
0: (laughs) well it was my pleasure and it's turned into the the story of a lifetime and, and knowing that we've shared this story on, you know, other podcasts, I think you were you were on Ed Rivera's Dad Hat Chronicles podcast, and you told the story. And, you know, when I was on your podcast, we told the story. I, I have a, uh, a confession to make now that I don't think has ever been told oh, about okay. this story. Yeah, there's, a, there's an addendum to this story that, you know, I've, I've kept to myself, but I feel like the time has come to, to reveal this. The re- there's a reason that video does not exist of me singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Oh. I think they were playing the Burlington Bees. I may I have to look that up. Was it the Burlington Bees? And there was Mm -hmm. a there was a woman who was a reporter. She was the beat writer covering the Burlington Bees. And she said, Hey, you know, do you want me to use your phone and I'll and I'll shoot a video of you singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game because it's kind of a cool thing. And I appreciated that offer. But I was so like I was trying to play it cool. I'm like, yeah, I'll sing it. That's fine. I was so terrified that I was going to forget the words to this song that I have sung thousands of times in my lifetime that I called the lyrics up to take me out to the ball game and had them on my phone in case I forgot how to sing take me out to the ball game.
3: I would have done the same thing.
0: <laughs> and that's why the, you know this this you know very nice reporter who offered to shoot video with my phone I was just like no I'm hanging on to my phone because I need I need a reference in case I forget the lyrics to take me out to the ball game. Mm-hmm. So that is that is my my deep dark confession about uh, take me singing take me out to the ball game on opening night in 2014 in Beloit.
3: Well, I still appreciate it. You really <laughs> made me out
0: there. So. it was really fun. No, it was a story of a lifetime. And then you were gone by the time I got back to Beloit to uh, the, so my second time there. They I got called out of the stands. I got picked out of the stands with my buddy Howard. Uh, who I'm going to actually talk to after you and I talk here. And uh, I got to run on the the field. I got to race Howard dressed up as a mattress for a a, a, a between innings contest that uh, I guess was a promotion for the Beloit mattress company. So, yeah. so I'll tell you, you know, I mean, it's easy to like, you know, it's easy as a, as a sports fan to sort of pick on a field that's, you know, maybe kind of dumpy or whatever, like, but it was the quintessential sort of minor league baseball experience for me. Right. Like it was this quaint community town, this community experience, you know, fans who, you know, the fans who were there braved some serious temperatures to be there. Right. And there was more than a couple, right. I mean, there was, you know, maybe 150, 200, but that was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot for that level of minor league baseball. And so you know, it was, it was an experience that I really like, honestly treasure. And that ballpark was, you know, in a nostalgic way, something I, I really enjoyed. So that was cool. So I do want to ask you one other thing that I liked about the logo when I was there, which was the fact that the snappers were an A's affiliate and they were sort of green and yellow, not by virtue of being an A's affiliate, but just because of turtles, I guess. Right. Um, And so when we talked before, you told some funny stories about A's fans in Beloit, Wisconsin.
3: You know, I I'm always like I always wondered, like, you know, how an affiliate with like a with a parent team so far away, like how that works and stuff like that. And and um, the A's have never had a, a, a low A affiliate that was near them so it's always been in the midwest league but um yeah it was it was kind of wild uh there were a's there's a's fans everywhere i come to find out um and people who were from oakland or um you know just grew up being big a's fans they would you know be on the road traveling through the midwest and they're like i had to stop here because you guys are an A's affiliate and you, you know, you guys have some of the best prospects coming up and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, you're a really big A's fan. Huh? <laughs> um, that's that's weird. And then like, I would go to the Qdoba in Beloit. And um, so I would, he was like making my burrito one day and he- there was an Oakland A's tattoo, like on his forearm. And I was like, Big A's fan, huh? And he and he's like, he's like, yeah. And of course, I'm wearing a Beloit Snappers polo. And he's like, he's like, love what you guys are doing. And and you know, this player and that player, like, they're having a great year. And and he always gave the team. So one of my buddies, um, Emmett Ackerman, he's been on my podcast, and he actually followed me from Beloit to Delmarva. Okay, Uh, he was the clubhouse manager, and uh, you know, they would get um food from Qdoba they would order it for the team and he would always give them like you know a big discount because we were an A's affiliate and all (laughs) this stuff and and uh yeah it is wild I was actually on vacation in Antigua yeah and I was wearing um a Beloit Snappers t-shirt oddly (laughs) enough and um it actually had an Oakland A's logo on it and this lady says, "What do you know about the A's?" And I said, "I said, well, I used to work for one of their minor league affiliates." And and she goes, "Get out of here!" She's like, "I'm a huge Oakland A's fan. I'm from right side, right outside of Oakland." And um, you know, and I and she's like, "What players were there?" And I started naming them. And she yeah goes, yeah she goes, "Oh yeah, I have his autograph. I have his <laughs> autograph." And I was like, "Oh,
0: okay." <laughs> Even in Antigua, there's these fans, apparently. big A's fans in Antigua. So speaking of of players who played there, one of the things I did with my press credential was that I, you know, you set up an interview with a player, and I just sort of asked, you know, like, hey, who should I talk to? And uh, I ended up interviewing a, a, obviously a minor leaguer named Boog Powell, who shares a name with but is not the same Boog Powell who became the big time major leaguer. But that was, you know, that was a sort of interesting experience because I always liked to follow those players after, you know, after they after i interviewed them and and uh he ended up getting suspended for steroid use for 50 games just a one-time offense if i remember and then i think he sort of topped out with the stockton ports i don't think he ever made it to oakland
3: well actually i was pretty sure he made it to the majors um with seattle and then he got traded to oakland i think he was in with tampa for a little bit maybe he, he did get suspended for, I believe it was Adderall, and then got suspended again for PEDs um, once he was in AAA or something like that. But, um, but yeah, he did make it to the majors. Uh, right. He didn't last very long, though.
0: You are right about that, and I was mistaken. He ended up playing 59 games for uh, he 23 for the, for the Mariners, and then he ended up back with Oakland. And he played another 36 in 2017 and 2018. So I guess I lost track of Boog Pal after the, uh, after the suspension didn't realize that happened. So apologies for besmirching the career of Boog Pal. Oh yeah. You can't do that. No, you certainly can't. So, well, Bobby, uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this experience. It was obviously for me, you know, meeting you and getting to participate, and the way I did at the snappers game and then getting to sort of connect to that brand really enjoyed that. And, you know, just really enjoy everything about the team. I've got a bunch of snappers gear uh, that I picked up some when I was there at games and some that I ordered when I heard that they were changing their name. Where can people find you?
3: Well, I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, me personally, I'm on there at it's R a coon. That's I T S R a C O O N. You can also follow the Pulling Tarp podcast at Pulling Tarp Pod on Twitter. I am on Instagram as well at ra RACoon54. And I'm also on LinkedIn uh, at Bobby Kuhn if anybody wants to connect on there. Um, and yeah, every Thursday, a uh, new Pulling Tarp podcast episode, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I've been listening at the time of this recording for 96 episodes. And again, congratulations from the past on your future 100th episode. It's such a great insight into that minor league life, right? Like, I mean, people who are minor league baseball fans uh, will really gain a sort of like Bull Durham style appreciation for the the gritty nature of what it means to actually work in minor league baseball and the, the long hours and the other duties as assigned and the getting your hands dirty and, and, you know, just exhausting summers of, of working for minor league baseball. So it's, it's given me a great appreciation for, you know, minor league baseball as a sport for sure. So, so thank you for doing that. And you were your podcast for all those, you know, many, many episodes that you've done was always there in the back of my mind when I was thinking about, you know, doing, doing this podcast, I always thought like, God, I would love to do a podcast someday. And here, here are you, you know, here's you making it happen. So appreciate that inspiration and, you know, best of luck with the podcast. And I'm sure we'll talk again going forward.
3: Yes. Thank you, Paul. Um, Yeah. You've been the only repeat guest on the pulling tart podcast. And it's hard to believe that, you know, I gave you a media credential seven, eight years ago, and yet here we are still (laughs) still chatting it up and it's, it It's fantastic i I love you know Twitter and yeah. you know on- online presence that just makes that able to happen.
0: I think that speaks to just what this you know minor league baseball community is, right? like it's uh, such a genuine supportive group of folks and I'm glad to have found it you know it's been uh it's been huge for me so uh so again thank you and and good luck and I can't wait to talk again I can't wait to become the first three-peat uh guest on uh oh, <laughs> on it's only Turner. a
3: matter of time
0: uh, yeah a of time. I mean you. I'll I'll give everyone else a chance you know maybe that's another hundred episodes down the road but I'm waiting to see what the big hundredth episode celebration is going to be
3: oh me too actually (laughs) thanks for having me on paul
0: all right bobby thank you we'll talk again hold on everyone hang on just a second it's time for another marvel style post-credit sequence i am joined now by howard april who is a park naturalist with milwaukee county parks who is an expert on all things wildlife and Wisconsin. He's my go-to guy when it comes to, to naturalist things. If you uh, read my work on sportslogos.net, you saw that I quoted Howard in an article about the now Beloit skycarp. But we're not talking about the skycarp right now, as you know, because you've been listening to this episode. We are talking about the erstwhile Beloit snappers. Howard, hello. How are you?
1: Hello, Paul. It's good to be here.
0: Welcome to the post credit sequence here. This is, uh, I got this trick from Stan Lee. So Stan Lee and I have the sort of same, you know, level of creative genius. I think he, he had a great idea and then I stole it. Um, (laughs) So, so Howard, right off the bat, I'll just ask you the question. The Beloit snappers were around for a quarter century. What made a snapping turtle, a great mascot for Beloit, Wisconsin?
1: You know, I gotta tell you, I think having a snapping turtle as a logo is a fantastic idea because, um, you know, there's a lot to really like about about snapping turtles. There's a lot to like about snapping turtles. You know, for instance, um, they're very common, but they're also very misunderstood. So a lot of people think that snapping turtles are inherently aggressive, that they're mean, uh, they'll take your toe off if, uh, if you give them a chance. Well, they're really misunderstood. You know, I've seen lots of snapping turtles in the water. I've worked with snapping turtles in the water. I've rarely encountered an aggressive snapping turtle in the water. Where they tend to get aggressive is when they're outside of their natural habitat up on the land. So, that being what it is, uh, you know, snapping turtles, they are tough. They're very long lived. And while they might not be the fastest critter in the pond, um, they are very, very resilient. And there's, you know, there's a saying that goes that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. And I think, you know, if you take a look at a turtle being slow and methodical, but, uh, you know, turtle being the hare in, uh going back to Aesop's fables, holy cow, there's a lot that a ball player can, uh, can admire about that, that, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work.
0: So you say that, that snapping turtles are more aggressive when they're out of their natural habitat, when they're out of the water and on land. Oh, That's correct.
1: That's correct. And the reason is, is that, you know, snapping turtles are essentially an aquatic turtle. So they spend most of their time in the water. Uh, they really only come, on, come up on the land uh, when the females come up to find a place to lay their eggs. So you can imagine if you get between a mama and her youngsters, um, you know, mama can be grouchy and defensive. Well, it's the same way with the mama snapping turtle uh, trying to find a place to dig a hole and, and lay her eggs.
0: Well and as a logo for a baseball team, it's important to note that nearly all baseball stadiums and, and ballparks and ball fields are on land and not underwater. So
1: <laughs> that is true although you know I do want to say regarding the stampers, you know they they're in, <clears throat> you know they're in Jamesville, Wisconsin along the Rock River. And the Rock River, I can attest to having been there personally, um, is filled with snapping turtles. So it was so apropos to have a stadium next to the Rock River and to have the, the team that's next to the Rock River take on the moniker of a critter that's in the Rock River right next to it.
0: Well, so the snappers, then I think, like you say, they they were a great logo for that team. I do want to ask your your naturalist opinion here, and I'm sort of springing something on on you here because this is not. The Beloit Snappers. I'm going to share my screen here because while we lost the Snappers as a turtle based logo, we did gain the Pulaski River Turtles in the Appalachian League. And so I'm going to ask your opinion uh, as a naturalist, as an expert on turtles. What is this turtle doing sliding into home plate from the wrong side?
1: Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> He's sliding into home plate from the backstop. He Absolutely is this. I guess my first thought is I guess you have to do a little bit of suspension of disbelief. Having a turtle slide into home plate from the wrong direction. Um well here's my here's my crack at it. Let's say that turtle came around third base so fast and chugging so hard, as a turtle is wont to do, of course. (laughs) he, He literally flew over home plate or slid off to the side to avoid avoid the tag of the catcher and is now making his way back to home plate to beat the tag. So how's that for uh, stretching? Uh, well, stretching the- he's a turtle playing baseball, right?
0: So, I mean, I guess we just have to accept, uh, you know, suspension of disbelief is probably the way to go. But I think, you know, he missed home plate is really the only explanation for this. And he's coming back and uh, he's got a big smile on his face and he's really glad that, it actually kind of looks like he's given home plate a big hug there. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I will say this, this is one happy looking turtle there. Yeah, the, look, happy little Maskey turtle. turtle.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get back, Howard, to the Beloit Snappers, because you and I actually have a personal history with the Beloit Snappers. Uh, I have been to Pullman Field, the, the now former home of, of the Snappers. I've been there twice. The second time was with you. Uh, you and I got to see a game at Pullman Field. And not only did we get to see a game at Pullman Field, but we got to, we got picked out of the crowd. We got picked out of a crowd of literally tens of people and got to go <laughs> down onto the field and dress as, uh, well, I guess they, they dressed us in basically mattress costumes to uh, as This is a, a between innings event sponsored by the Beloit mattress company. And we got to go out onto the field and race from behind third base on the warning track to by first base on
1: the warning track.
0: And that was a, that was a thrill. What a moment that was.
1: Well, perhaps it was a thrill for you, Paul. as you, you, you won quite expeditiously. Well,
0: Uh, well, I must have had the uh, like the memory foam mattress or something. I think I must have had, a, <laughs> I had. I had an advantage, you know. They they set you up with the like the California King, and I had like the memory foam twin or something. Uh, so. You
1: know, it, it was yes, it was it was it was a thrill. It was a thrill. Actually, when you think about it, all the people that were there, and for the for the staff to come down and ask people to participate, and you know, it was a ton of fun. But I think that's one of the great things about minor league baseball is that it's just so accessible. It's just so accessible to, to everybody. And, um, that was just a real thrill to be able to participate in that.
0: Well, you and I are, you know, both obviously fans of minor league baseball as a Wisconsin resident, you know, I know I was very jealous to learn that you were going to see the new Beloit ballpark, ABC field. And, that, uh, that looked like a beautiful stadium, and you know, that was when they played one year, I guess, there as the snapper still, and you got to go see opening day, so that must have been great.
1: Correct, and I was consider myself very lucky to be able to get an opening day, and let me just say, uh, it is a beautiful facility, it's a wonderful addition to the community, and it's very uh, scenically located right next to the Rock River um yeah it's just a great addition to the community and it's a great place to take in a game and i look forward to going back and i look forward to going back uh with you paul someday and perhaps i don't know if we'll be in a mattress race again but (laughs) perhaps we'll see what the newly rebranded Skycarp can come up with
0: well i've been to two snappers games and the, the first time as has been well documented the first time i got to sing take me out to the ball game i got to lead the crowd in singing take me out to the ball game and then the second time I got to run on the field as a mattress. So, you know, my I've got a pretty good streak going uh, at, at Beloit Snappers games. Howard, there is one other thing I want to talk to you about to just sh- shore up your uh, your bona fides as a as a baseball expert because this is one of my favorite Howard April facts right here. You are a movie star, having co-starred alongside uh, Tom Berenger and uh, Charlie Sheen. Here's you, Howard April, in a starring role in the movie Major
1: League. <laughs> you are generous Paul, you are too generous. I you are correct though in that I actually was a paid a paid extra in the movie Major League. And uh for 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 your listeners who might not be familiar with it, you know, Major League, uh it's uh it's actually it's supposed to be the Cleveland Indians, they're the hapless Cleveland Indians and uh there's a whole plot in there about turning the team around. Well, Uh, they didn't film it in Cleveland. For some reason, they filmed it in Milwaukee at the old Milwaukee County Stadium. And this was the summer of 1988, and I had just graduated from high school, and I played baseball in high school on a really, really good team. Um, Conference champs, you know, a whole bunch of years. And although for complete disclosure, I I should say I rode the pine on a very good team for for a couple couple of years. But uh, they had open tryouts, so I tried out to be a ballplayer, to be an extra. And literally, Paul, there were a thousand people that showed up at the tryouts at a place called Washington Park in Milwaukee. And literally like a thousand people. I showed up at 730 in the morning. I didn't get a chance to take my six ground balls until five o'clock that night. Oh, my gosh. So I figured and there were a lot of good ball players there. Let me tell you. So I knew I wasn't I wasn't getting to get picked. But I put in a card to be an extra, and what do you know? About a month later, they called me and they said, "Hey, we need someone that can come down to be a beer vendor." And I'm like, "Well, I can do that." So <laughs> I sh- I showed up, and they sent me to wardrobe, and they got me into a kind of a vendor-looking type suit, and they gave me a little uh, thing to carry around, fake plastic glasses or cups, and they said you go stand over there, and believe it or not, I did not wind up on the cutting room floor. You can actually, you can actually see me pretty clear if you know where to look.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna post screen grabs on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter count to baseball, and Instagram baseball by design. And uh, we're gonna get, we're gonna get this out there, and and I assume. There are photos of you, like on the red carpet on opening night of the movie, and and you know that the you know that the Hollywood there's a Hollywood there's a Howard April Hollywood Square. No, I think <laughs> I think your microphone my, cut out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think my my invitation for that must have got lost in the mail. Although I, I will say this, it was really quite the thrill because just a, this is a footnote to a footnote to a footnote. Um, I wasn't even expecting this, but um, after we filmed, they said, "Okay, everybody, uh, go down." The craft services and and lunch is being served and i'm like lunch is being served and so i go and meet the stadium and I, I they had a great spread i go through line guess who is sitting there at a table all by his lonesome well accompanied by a young lady but guess who is sitting there charlie sheen charlie sheen <laughs> and i thought to myself well this is an opportunity that presents itself very often Absolutely. so I didn't know what exactly to say, but I'm like, well, I'm not going to pass up this opportunity. So I go up to him and I say, hi, mind if I pull up a seat? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I didn't know any better, but uh, I did. And I had lunch with Charlie Sheen and his girlfriend at the time, or his friend at the time. So
0: His special lady friend.
1: Yes, yes. And we all know that.
0: Oh, well, okay, all right, Howard. I, I've marked this as clean on Apple Podcasts, so uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's just we'll stop the story right there. Howard, April, thank you so much for for coming on the the podcast and being part of the the Marvel style post credit sequence. And uh, I know that we'll talk again. I know that we're going to do a Timber Rattlers episode. Uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to do like a special episode on like the Wisconsin Brats or something like that. So we're going to we're going to we're, we're going to get uh, we're going to get you back on the podcast and we're going to we're going to tell some more stories. And, and we didn't even get into the time when we went to a Milwaukee Brewers game and I complained the whole time about how the roof was closed. And then as we left, I had no idea that it was pouring rain and had been for two hours. (laughs) So thank God for that roof. But Howard, thank you very much. And uh, I'm glad that a huge movie star like you is still friends with me.
1: Oh, it's always a pleasure.
0: So to take us out, Howard, uh, this is gonna be a surprise for you right here. You're not, you don't know that this is coming here. This is another thing that I'm springing on you. But for the first time uh, in the history of this podcast, we, we have an original song that was submitted by a listener and it's the theme song for Howard April's appearance on, <laughs> on this podcast. So this, this comes from the Fernwood uncles club. We're going to ask them to take us out here with a theme song they provided for you.
3: Howard's on a podcast. It's his dream come true. He's got lots of turtle facts to share with you.
1: Turtle, not
3: turtle, no Mm. turtle, no, not turtle.